0: Joshua chapter four, and uh, you can be seated for a moment, Uh, except for that new couple that I just met, Lori Lane's sister. Would you all stand for a second? Sometimes God shows me stuff. And um, so I just have a word for you. I saw you for, I didn't know that you were related, but I I saw you and I, and I I told you that I just see God on you. I had a word, it's unusual. And I think, uh, I, I don't know if it has meaning for you. Uh, but I heard the word Melody Land. And I don't know if you know the history of, uh, of California and what took place in California, but there's a place called Melody Land. Melodyland Melody Land, there was a great outpouring of the Spirit of God. Now, does that word mean anything to you? It does. All right, well, we'll just let that be a mystery between you and the Lord. But here's the word I have for you. The Lord showed you a number of things years ago and there's some going to be some reopening of some treasures that are even in your heart and I'm going to bring about the very thing that I said that I would do. And I see God has touched you and you've been serving the Lord faithfully a long time, faithfully serving God. The other word I had for you is that he's not going to he's not only going to open up some of those things and I think it's tied to that Melody land memory or or something there, but uh, the other thing was that he called you like Cornelius, that your, your service and your giving has come up as a memorial before the Lord. And he's remembered you and he sees you and he's hemmed you in before and behind. He's going to bring about some things, some answer to prayer that you've put up on a shelf. It's like some things you put up on a shelf and said, well, Lord, you know. And you've just trusted him, though he slay you, you yet serve him, he's going to pull those things off in this next season, and he's going to blow your mind with some serious breakthrough, relational breakthrough, financial breakthrough, and especially I see spiritual breakthrough for your church. When you said, when you said we're a part of a church in New Hampshire called Grace Land, where is that? Grace Fellowship in Nashville. Well, I just see God coming to visit the whole of the Northeast. There needs to be a great move of God there. We have a desire to put a church up in the Northeast, and one day, God willing, and he provides the leadership, we'll do that. But I see God's hand on you, and I hope that encourages you. All right, bless you. Put your hands together for these guys. Okay, let's all stand up on our feet, which are hopefully shone with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Turn in your Bible to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 4. Here we go. Are you ready? We're here in the midst of a series called... Possessing the land. They're going to put that logo up for me any moment now, if you could, please. Possessing the land. Joshua chapter 4. Let's read the word of the Lord. Verse 1 through 24. A little bit of a lengthy passage, but it's exciting. You ready? And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, And command them, saying, Take for yourself twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodged tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. Everybody say, One man from every tribe. One man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them cross over before the ark of the Lord the God of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in the time to come saying what do these stones mean to you then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded. They took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests stood, pardon me, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and... They are there to this day. So the priests who bore the ark in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried to cross over. Then it came to pass, I bet they are hurrying up. Can you imagine? And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben and the men of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the children of Israel. As Moses had spoken to them, about 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land that the waters of the Jordan returned. "...through their place, and overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, "'When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, "'What are these stones?' Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. Verse 24, last verse. That all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord that is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God, forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you did in the first service, now what you'll do in the second. Lord, we're just standing off of who you are and who we are in you and how you bring transformation and resurrection out of death. God, we give you praise. Now, Lord, come and move in power. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, go ahead and pray in the Spirit right now. Give us living understanding. We might never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Greetings again to our online congregation and to all of you gathered here on this beautiful July 6th. Remember is a powerful word. And we do have notes if you'd fill those in to help you to remember what I preached to you. Remember is a powerful word. If any of you spent any time in Texas... You'll remember the, the phrase that says, remember the, the Alamo. It was a rally call, a cry that gathered and brought strength and courage against Santa Ana. And we were able to defeat Mexico and move forward in that. How many of you remember 9-11, September 11th? Remember. In fact, there's many slogans out there, never forget or remember. We have a hard time remembering. Our, heart is, our, our hearts are inclined to forget. Memorials are a favorite thing uh, for my wife and, and I, my family, as we travel and we go to different cities to see memorials around cities. I just got back from New York and visited some of my uh, favorite memorials around the city as I walked through. And Washington, D.C., probably has the greatest collection, at least in my mind, in the United States, my favorite one being the Lincoln Memorial. If you were to go to the lincoln memorial i don't know anybody been to the lincoln memorial but if you if you've gone to the lincoln memorial it is filled with scripture there's scripture all over that thing i don't know how how they're gonna what are they gonna do chisel that out Uh, i don't think so if you go and you read that you'll see that abraham lincoln saw the civil war as god's judgment upon america for slavery we just celebrated the fourth of july our birthday of our country I just celebrated my birthday on July 4th, uh, July 1st, and uh, yeah, I turned 48. I feel like I'm 20-something, as I said, but moved maybe a little bit slower, a little bit fatter, a little bit slower. Jesus, help me. And uh, we give each other cards at, our, at times of birthday as a way of remembering. we got to help you if you forget your anniversary. I've inscribed a memorial to my anniversary on the inside of my wedding band, which I very rarely take off. That would be so that I never forget my anniversary. Remembering is is a way that God preserved Israel's uniqueness. And I believe it's a way that God helps us to preserve our uniqueness of who we are. We are different. We are not of the world. We're we're a holy people, a royal priesthood. We're peculiar, as the Bible says. Israel had special days of festivals in which they would remember covenants. And, uh, and those different, some of those different days are the Sabbath day. That was in remembrance of the law given on Mount Sinai. So God said, remember the Sabbath. You'll do no work. Keep it holy. Why? It was a way of remembering the law that was given on the mountain of God. Passover is another festival or feast that's uh, dedicated to remembering how God delivered his children, the people of Israel, out of Egypt, the house of bondage with the death of the firstborn and the blood of the lamb and how God passed over those homes that had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and lentils. The Feast of Tabernacles is another one, remembering how God provided for them in the wilderness. The Feast of Purim, ever heard of that? It's a remembrance of how God spared his people. And Haman hung on the gallows instead of the Jews. Hanukkah is another one. As Christians, we have the Lord's Supper, which we just did. Communion is a way of remembering. And I've been emphasizing remembering and memorials throughout the service already. You never want to forget what God has done. I think the most fantastic thing to me is, even though it's anthropomorphism, which is personification, we say that God remembers us. How many of you know God never forgets? That's it's attributing human qualities to human qualities, if you will, to to God. he doesn't forget. He's omnipresent and he's everywhere. Yet the psalmist said in Psalm 115, verse 12, the Lord remembers us and will bless us. If you look at Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, and the Lord remembered Noah. But God never really forget. But they just have a way of saying that he remembered him. But I'm so thankful that God has us on his heart. Can somebody say amen? And there's covenant signs like the rainbow which has been perverted in recent days, it still stands for the fact that God made a covenant. Never again will he flood the earth. Might set it on fire, but it's never going to be flooded. Okay, so that's a promise that you can remember every time you see a rainbow. And so remembering special days is important, Uh, my daughter, who just turned 15 we share the same birthday which was a sign to me of God's redemption and blessing on my life so I share the same exact birthday as hers and when that birthday rolls around we have us we just at some point during that day or just before it you know we were overwhelmed because she she was fixing to die the enemy tried to take her we interceded and God spared her life and so every time her birthday rolls around we're like come on God you're awesome it's, it's a memorial. It's a special time of, of remembrance. Easter is a time when we remember the fact that he rose again from the dead. In fact, I like calling it Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Christmas. How many of you know he wasn't born at Christmas? But it's a time when we remember his Christ's birth. Let's look at the text. There's, in the text that we read, the entirety of, of, of Joshua 4, there's two memorials that are built. One by the stones collected by the 12 representatives who made the memorial on the western side of the Jordan at Gilgal, where they camped. So the Ark of the Lord goes, goes before the people of Israel. Now, we're, again, we're in the midst of a series, I believe, message five, I think it is, today. We talked about how Moses is dead and Joshua is now in charge. In fact, God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, Moses, my servant, is dead. Which is like, no kidding. Anytime that God tells you something you already know, he's trying to tell you something else. Joshua knew that Moses was dead. God tells him Moses is dead. And he's basically saying, Josh, you're in charge. And in the midst of change, at least that, that the point of that message that we preached, that in, in the midst of change, a change of leadership, a change of, you know, gods you know, he brings change. I mean, you can count on it. And in the midst of change, you can still be victorious. And God anointed Joshua when he took over the leadership of God's people because Moses failed an anger problem and ended up not crossing over into the promised land. I always wanted God to give him another chance, but didn't. And so Joshua is in charge, and they spy out the land. And we talked about that. And we find faith in an unlikely place with Rahab, a prostitute. Rahab heard about how God was with this people, the Jews, Israel, and, and she was a prostitute. She hung a scarlet thread out the window at the direction of the spies who she hid under stalks of flax up on her rooftop, rebelling against the decree of the king in Jericho, hiding God's servants, protecting them. And they made a deal with her. They said, if you hang this thread out the window, then when we come and we wipe out your city, we'll remember you. We talked about the scarlet thread, how that's a picture of the blood. What do you think they got the idea of scarlet thread hanging out the window? They got it from Passover, I'm sure. was told to them by their mom and dad who's now passed away in the wilderness. And so God takes a house of prostitution and turns it into a house of salvation. Everybody in that house got saved. And God can take you no matter what you've come out of, save you, heal you, bless you, bring you into the promised land. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, he wants us to possess the land. And there's principles in this river-crossing, city-taking book, the book of Joshua, that are absolutely profound, that will help you move into into the promise that God has for you. And so last, last time I preached to you, we talked about how God had this master plan of them crossing over the Jordan. That's at flood stage. And you have to ask yourself, God, what's the trip? I mean, what's the deal? Couldn't you just have a little crick or something? How many of you know what a crick is? Okay, creek, a creek. Can't you just have a little trickle of water? Can't it be midsummer when they cross over? No, no, no. They crossed over basically four days before, three days before the Passover, three, four days God had strategically planned right at harvest time, and the river is overflowing its third banks. Those who study that region know that that the Jordan has three banks, and at harvest time it frequently overflows the third bank, and it's snowmelt. Snowmelt. Has anybody ever taken a swim in the Big Sioux? Okay, just checking. Anybody ever fallen in the Big Sioux, little Sioux? You to go swimming around here because it's cold, baby. And when you fall in, it's just kind of just takes your breath away. And if you stay in there too long, you know you go to heaven early. Right? right? <laughs> Crossing over the Jordan is a major problem. How do you get two million people across the Jordan? And why would God allow for a flood-stage Jordan? Why wouldn't it be a creek? Why would God allow an application? Now we're just doing a quick review. Why would God an application for us? Why would he allow for problems? Trials. Why would he allow for persecution? I I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Because he loves you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say he loves you. He loves you. He wants you to become strong. Keep in mind, there's a whole new generation. They never saw the Red Sea. They've been eating manna day in, day out, fried manna, boiled manna. Toasted manna. I don't know. They probably had manna every different kind of way. I'm sure they're totally sick of it. It probably even, even seemed like a miracle to them. Now now they're going to cross over. They'd never... They heard about the Red Sea, but they weren't there. All Mom and dad are all dead. The only ones that are still alive are Joshua and Caleb. Those are the only two that, that believe the Lord. You know, the rest have basically died off. Moses failed. So there's a whole generation never seen the miracle power of God, and God was going to show them the miracle power. And... For us, problems, trials, of flood stage Jordan is so that you can become strong in God. Your problem is God's opportunity to show up and show off and build your faith. Come on, Arthur W. Pink, one of my favorite commentators, said that man's extremity is always God's opportunity. God can bring you through whatever extreme problem you have. It's an opportunity for God. So when you face problems, when you face trials, when you face difficulties, just start, you know, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face all kinds, come on, James, when you face all kinds of fiery trials. So the next time you're looking at some big, ugly Philistine, just be like, whoa, come on. Yeah, with a head that big, I can't miss. Come on, you ugly thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> you gotta think differently. And so now they, they, they've got this strategic strategy, this plan, the ark at a thousand yards. You've got two million people that are gonna cross over the Jordan. A thousand yards, the ark is to be out there. The priests who are gonna put their foot in the, in the Jordan, and as soon as they do, it's supposed to part. And that's exactly what happens. A 1,000 yards talking about basically the holiness of God, but I think it's more than that. I think it's so that 2 million people can see the miracle at a 1,000 yards. And what's fascinating is as they cross over, God gives us chapter 4 and tells them to build these memorials. There's two. One was going to be stones on the western side, and the other... Was made by Joshua. Look at your notes. When the ark was stationed in the center of the river, verse 9. Now, the King James and the New King James, they say that, but the NIV doesn't say that in the translation. And I believe that the New King James or the King James does a better job of the NIV right than the NIV right there. But literally, there's two memorials. God speaking to their eyes as well as their ears. And what was done, which was amazing is commanded by the Lord why would God do that why would God tell them okay take some stones while you're in the midst of the miracle take some stones build a memorial on the western side and do one in the middle right where the priests feet are the memorial if you look at your notes commemorated the miracle God did was a sign that pointed to the power of God and all that he was the memorial was a sign of the sign. God wanted to communicate visual, commun- God wanted to give visual communication to the future generations. Now watch this, I've, ne- I've, I've preached from this text, I can't tell you how many times, I've never seen this before. Gotta love, the word, the word of God's amazing. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 1. Now the place where, where they crossed over was, is called Ben Aruba. It's uh, very close to Jericho, John, go to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Let me read this to you. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you have a translation that says was a God, you want to get another translation. That would be the wrong one. The Word became flesh in verse 14, dwelt among us, we beheld his glory. It goes on to talk about the voice of the wilderness which is a prophetic word coming out of the book of Isaiah, the testimony of John. Verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And he says in verse 27, oh, verse 26. No, verse 25. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? And John answered and said, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you who you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandals trap I am not worthy to lose. Watch verse 28 now. These things were done in Beth. Araba. Beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing, turn to Matthew. So God gives a command. I didn't tell you the chapter yet, just hold on. I don't want you to get too blown away before I just fill in at blanks a little bit. Jesus' Hebrews, Hebrew name is? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Yeshua, now we call that Joshua. It's the same thing, Joshua, Yeshua, is the same thing. There's tremendous similarities with Joshua and and Jesus, of course. In fact, Joshua meaning he'll save his people from their sin, right? And so Joshua brings them into this deliverance by the word of the Lord. the, The Jordan at flood stage is stopped up in a heap to the city of Adam, or you could say Adam. And it's cut off all the way to the Dead Sea, and they cross over. And they build these two pillars. The, the stones that come out of the middle of the river and are erected on the western side. It's a picture of death and resurrection. But this, the, what's also true, never mind taking a look at what the actual meaning of Jordan means. I'll just give that just bonus for you. Go home and study that. What does Jordan mean? So they go and they cross over. And it's a picture of Joshua bringing us out of the wilderness, into the promised land, causing sin, even breaking the curse of sin, all the way back to Adam and throwing it as far as the sea of forgetfulness of the Dead Sea. Kind of amazing. Now watch this. John the Baptist is baptizing in the exact same location. Matthew, you all there? Matthew chapter 3 and look at verse 9. Verse 7, 6, 5, 4, just just kidding. We will back up a little bit. Verse 4, Now John himself with clothes and camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and Judea and all the surrounding region of the Jordan went out to him, and he baptized and were baptized by him in the Jordan confessing their sins. I just want to stop and say what Bill, what releases the, the, the release of the power of God is, is and the growth of the kingdom has nothing to do with where somebody's wearing a nice suit or looking fancy or being eloquent. It has everything to do with the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. And if there is no anointing, then, then you know, crowds, crowds responded to a guy who's wearing camel hair and eating locusts, kind of a freak freaky looking guy okay they came out because he had the word of the lord church growth consultants would have him move to jerusalem no no verse seven but when he saw many of the pharisees and sadducees coming to his baptism he said of them brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not Think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham, watch this now, as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. I propose to you that it is absolutely possible, even probable, that where he is baptizing, it is the same location, that very possibly those stones are, were still there and he's pointing to them. It's a memorial. It was a major, major major act of God to have these memorials built and God even used it millennium later. Come on, somebody say wow. wow. The memorial commemorated the miracle. All right, now why, why should we remember and build memorials? As a reminder of what God did for ourselves. What are you saying, Pastor Bracken? What, what are you saying? I'm telling you. You need to remember what God did and you need to build memorials. I'm not talking get some clay and make a statue of yourself. I'm saying have things in your life, times in your life that are set up to point to what God did. Remember how he, how he set you free. Remember how you were in the hospital and he delivered you. Remember that car crash that the devil meant to kill you in, and, and, and you lived. Remember how he saved you. How he healed you. How he called you. How he filled you. Remember the things that God has done. Remember what he's done. Because if you don't remember, you're in trouble. God wants us to remember. And he wants us to build memorials to it Memorials of remembrance. Because we forget. And God's concerned about the future generation. He's concerned about future generation. So when a little one comes and asks you, about some inquisitive thing that they have in their mind or their heart, afford them the opportunity to brag on God and the wonders of His kingdom. When, people, when kids ask you things, use it as an opportunity to tell them a testimony of His deliverance, delivering power. Use it as an opportunity to express what God's done for you or done for another or a miracle that you heard from somebody else. Why? Because you're pouring into that other generation. It's so, so crucial. You know, one of the uh, things that we do as a church and um, the following statements are not directed at any particular group in the body of Christ. Certainly, I would never do that. But there, is, there are some that are short-sighted. Some pastors that are short-sighted. Some, some, some bodies are short-sighted in that. They will never build a building. They'll never, they'll never own land. They'll never build a building because it's too expensive, it's too much effort, whatever. We'll just meet here. But I'm going to tell you what the problem with that is, is that when that particular generation is gone, should the Lord tarry, then the next generation has got nowhere to meet. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching it. Everywhere we go, i 'm going to say everywhere, but mostly, we have a, a philosophy of ministry in that we 're going to own land and we 're going to build buildings or buy I like buying them when they 're built already because it 's a little bit easier if you get the right one we 're going to do that why so that we 're here in future generations, and it 's a memorial you know every time I go to back back to Maui, which is where we 've been birthed from that 's a spiritual home for me. every time I go back there and I see that that church building on the corner and, I, and I, I know the history and the story behind it is absolutely a miracle we never had one dollar to do anything there and God gave it to us it's miraculous I think about that and I go man God can do anything look at that right. I think about our property I was on our property yesterday morning with a group that was working weed whackers and all kinds of stuff going on whacking back ten years of overgrowth on that property we owned that number of years ago some of you don't know the story most of you I think do we sold it God blessed us profoundly we were able to buy the building we're in and release the rest of the of the finances towards moving the vision forward and part of us died when we sold that I I wasn't here but I was very much attuned to what was happening at KC Alaska years ago some of you are part of that some of you some of most of you are new and as that property sold, I just thought, "Ooh, boy, that's got to be rough. That's got to be rough. If you're standing in Alaska, I mean, can you imagine reaching your hands out to a property for years, and then God gives it to you, and then you're actually in a church on the property, and you're reaching your hands out, and you're like, come on, God, release it. Release the building. And all of a sudden, poof, you sell the whole thing and all of those prayers. What happened to all those prayers? What happened? What happened? And it was like, well, you know what? I don't know. We just knew that God was speaking to us. I mean, what do you say? I don't know. And then some 10 years later, 10 years, 10 years later, for God to speak to us, even through an 11-year-old. I want to get the story right. God spoke to us. Many of you were praying. Some of you maybe even knew in the spirit to walk out onto that property, feel the presence of God, an impossibility to buy it back and to take a crazy, just crazy, crazy wildcat step of faith which you're all willing to take we took it and bang we own the same piece of property back it's worth four million dollars we bought it for one and i'm standing on that thing with a weed whacker and i i just turned my weed whacker off i'm like really god did this really happen one of the reasons that one of the reasons that god did what he did using a Joshua was to authenticate him. Listen, don't miss this. And I will say this to every single leader here. And all of you are called to be leaders in some capacity or another. That God will galvanize you. God will allow you to go through something so that when you go through it and you come out the other side smelling without the smell of smoke, smelling like roses. You come out the other side. How many of you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The fourth man showed up. That king is like, dad, he must be God. Where is he? Let me worship him. I mean, it just spoke to him. It authenticated their faith. When God does something like what he just did for us, and it's the beginning stages. But we we'd have the miracle. Amen. When he does something like that, even unbelievers are saying to me, how did you guys do that? And I say, well, it's God. I've had somebody else say, it would have to be. I had some I had somebody else get, get irritated, a little bent out of shape because they didn't know, and they would have come running with their million-dollar check to buy it to make a lot of money. We could flip it right now and make a million, I'm told. We're not flipping anything. We're going to build a building. Can you say amen? Why are you going to be a building? So that should the Lord tarry in future generations, of course we need it now because we're outgrowing this one, but in future generations, should the Lord tarry, you drive by, you drive into the city, and you see that thing, and come on, you see that property. You just go, man, there's a God. Man, if he, for, if he did it for Casey, he can do it for me. It's a lighthouse. It's a, it's a testimony of what God can do through a people. Oh, and it's just the beginning. Come on, somebody say amen. It's a declaration of the glory and the power of God. It's a statement. And as I started to say but didn't finish the thought, Joshua was authenticated. In other words, Israel knew that God was with him because what happened? They said, well, Moses, he was bad at the bone, most humble guy. But dude, God's with you. That's exactly what God has done for us. And I will tell you why. The reason he's done it is because there's a group of people that are praying. And we're going to see hundreds and even thousands of people come to the Lord. Can you say amen? Why? Why would he do that? Because he loves Wasilla. He loves the state of Alaska. He loves Palmer. He loves Houston. And there's something significant about our state. You've got to build memorials. Oh, I've got to hurry up. It causes us to fear the Lord more. The fear of the Lord is a great thing. Yes. Our God's speaking to us. We've got to fix our eyes on the future, but we should not have spiritual amnesia. Amen. When you look at, in the rearview mirror of your life, just remember what God has done. It, it, it releases faith. The devil will try to cause you to forget how God has changed you. Try to draw you back into your old life. It's just, he's masterful at it. Try to tempt you to drink when you've been delivered from alcohol. Try to tempt you to go do the things that you know that you've been delivered from. and Wave it in front of you like a little carrot. Then the minute you grab it, then he he points his finger at you and condemns you. Beats you up. Says, you're just kidding yourself. You didn't really get saved. You're not really born again. You're not really a new creature in Christ. Because if you were, then you wouldn't be. Just tell him, talk to the hand. Come on, go like that. Talk to the hand. The enemy can keep us from having faith for the future by causing us to forget what God's already done. Don't forget what God has done in your life. That's why we have an anniversary Sunday in October. It's a, every October here we celebrate, you know, it's not so much the, the arrival of Pastor Daniel and Karen Bracken. The, the point is is that we, we celebrate what God's done to and, and us as a church. Come on, we were there very few people here when we first got here. God's done some great things, and I know it's a team. Amen. Our testimony, look at B, is a declaration of what God has done. And it will encourage others to believe God for more. How many of you have been encouraged by somebody else's testimony? Yeah. Revelation twelve eleven. 11. We, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Revelation 12, 11 is a weapon. You need to use it. What has God done? Build memorials. Remember. Remember and build memorials for your family, for your marriage. Amen. You know, I pulled this painting off my wall in the first service. I hadn't planned on doing it, but when I first get here, when I first got here, it's one of the very first sermons I ever preached, and Olivia is here this morning. Olivia could probably tell the story better than I could. But as I recall, I'll say it that way. How many of you know you recall stuff and it's not exactly exactly how it went? I'm finding that more and more. I'm sort of wondering, maybe it's time for some ginkgo or something. Praise the Lord. You got any, you got any oil for that? Anyway. <laughs> I preached a message about striking our arrows to the ground and how the Lord, the Lord had given me a, a picture of how he was going to touch Alaska and from Alaska, the glory of God would spread. And in fact, it came with a, a direct word is what moved us out of Alaska to here, for out, of, uh, out of Hawaii to here. Which was in the same way that there's a pipeline from the North Slope to Valdez. So it is in the in in the spirit that I'm building a pipeline of the golden oil of Zechariah, and you're going to come and you're going to be a part of that. You're going to go to Alaska and you're going to be a part of that great revival. And I we just said Amen, and we came, we moved here, preached this message about God striking Alaska and the glory of God just coming. And there was a lady, as I understand, in the church from down south, and she said, "I've seen that somewhere. I've had a picture of that." and if, if I remember it correctly, and you'd you be sure to change, correct me after this if I get it wrong. But some of the ladies in the church made contact with that lady to find out where that piece of artwork was because they wanted to pick it up for us. And, uh, and so they, they did that, but there was none left. And so they got the name of the artist who's back in Pennsylvania. I got this right? Called the artist back in Pennsylvania, and the artist pulled it off his wall, right? And, and sold it to us. And, they, and, they, and it is hung in my office. Olivia, I can't tell you. And I know there's others involved. I don't, I don't know who all who, but Sandra, different ones. I, some of the core crew that was here all those years ago, I can't tell you. The times when I've stood in my office and I've looked at that painting, this picture right here. And I thought, man, God, you are going to hit this place with your glory. And you're going to do the very thing that you said you were going to do. I've stood before this. This is a memorial to me. Now, listen, you need to have these in your life. Yeah, I think artwork is a great way to do it. I think music is another, another great way. You need to build memorials in your marriage, in your family. Your kids need to know about how God delivered you, how God healed your marriage. You know, age-appropriate stuff. You, you don't give them more than they could handle. I'm not going to have, you know, a three-year-old carry a 50-pound bag. Of course, you don't share things with a three-year-old that they can't carry. But you have to sow in. You have to build memorials. You have to share with them. Hey, God's done this thing. God's done miracles. And you share those. Yesterday, I was driving home with my son. And I don't know. We were talking about the seasons and summer and we're looking at the fireweed. And I told him how how I learned the seasons. It comes from a song, which is a memorial to me. And it goes like this. Winter, spring, summer, or fall All you've got to do is call And I'll be there, yes I will You've got a friend And I sang it to him and the Spirit of God touched me And I thought, Jack It was quiet for a second and then I said Ain't it good to know that you've got a friend When people can be so cold, that's right, desert you. They'll take your soul if you let them, oh, don't you let them. You just call (laughs) out my name, and you know wherever I am. I'll come running, oh, yes, I will, to see you again. Okay, let me tell you what that means to me. I started weeping, and, and I hammed it up so I didn't cry just now. That song touched me when I had nobody. I had not one thing. And, oh, yeah, James Taylor, you know, that's a secular song. The devil can't use a secular song. No, I'm going to tell you, God, used James Taylor. I don't care what religious bone you got in your life. God spoke to me. God spoke to me. He said, son, I don't, I don't care if it's winter. I don't care if it's fall, spring, summer. You just call out my name. <laughs> ah! He spoke to me, and He comforted me, and He helped me. And I stumbled into it yesterday in my truck. I began to weep, and my son's like, Dad, stop singing. You know, he turns on the radio. (laughs) It's a memorial. Set up memorials in your life. See, that even touched people right now. Some that don't have friends or don't have people that can stand there. Isn't it comforting to know that He'll never leave you will never forsake you? I found it true in my life. It's important. It's so important. A whole chapter in the book of Joshua was set up so that they would build a memorial. That even millennium later, Jesus would be standing there. And John the Baptist says, hey, see those stones over there? Uh Uh-huh. He parted the Jordan. He could raise up a Messiah. And he did. He's right here. Can you say amen? Did you get something? Lastly, we set up memorials for the kingdom of God. We set up memorials for the God's kingdom. Now, here's what we're going to do. We have missionaries out there that are counting on us. On the first Sunday of the month, we take our missions offering. I want to do that now. So for those of you who made your pledges, if you'd follow through with those today, if you're not ready to do that, then used to be led by the Lord. But Just so thankful for... Yeah, ushers, if you'd help us so thankful for God's word. Build memorials in your marriage and your family before your kids. Tell your little ones of the wonders of God. Speak to them about the, the things that are yet to come and what God's done in future generations. Because what it says is what God did at other times, He can do right now, right today. What God did in other places, He can do it right here. What He what He did in other places, He can do here. Come on, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You sing it stand up on your feet Father, we ask for your blessing to be upon all the missionaries who we support. Lord, all of our international works, God, we pray and ask that you would use this offering to meet every need, God, that they have over this next month, that you would bless them indeed, give them a fresh anointing and touch over their marriage, over their families, and over the regions and the territories that you've set them as a watchman on the wall. Bless this offering, the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. Let's just go ahead and sing it again, Jesus i Jesus, and oh, oh, to trust in we're going to close the service but before we do with every head bowed i never want to close without giving an opportunity to get right with god and if you're not right with god today i implore you i plead with you on christ's behalf to be reconciled to them repent ask jesus to come into your heart to be your lord to be your savior If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you used to live for Him, but you're not now. You want to recommit your life to the Lord. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? You want to give your heart to Him for the first time, or maybe you need to recommit. Lift your hand right now if that's you. God bless you. Anybody else want to get right with God, just lift your hand. God bless you, son. Thank you for your honesty. Let's pray this right out loud, and then we'll close. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. For taking my sin upon you. And for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Take out the heart of stone. Put in the heart of flesh. And use me. Use me to fulfill all the purpose that you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I ask, fill, touch, break every chain, break every curse. Use your people. Use us to expand your kingdom. Fulfill, God, all the dreams and purposes you have for us as we delight ourselves in you we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and knowing that you will add all things. In Jesus' name, come on, lift your hands and we'll, we'll bless you. Blessings are very real. Blessings and curses are real. Receive the blessing right now. Father, thank you for your precious people. Bless your people, God. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them, Lord. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you. We hope to see you tonight. Prophet John Harkey preaching 6 o'clock. I'm going to tell you, do not miss tonight. Going to be off the chain. God bless you. We love you. Praise the Lord. We hope to see you. Amen. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska, and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.